with big vibes and big hockey players. Only water one day a week. Visit changeyourclock.com. Just a friendly reminder, Ryan Reevestyle. SNWA is a not-for-profit water agency. Film Festival Radio, Saturday afternoons at 3 on 1400 KSHP North Las Vegas. Online at KSHP.com. It is showtime, baby. Here we go. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. And you can see he's rising to the occasion. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Oh, awesome baby with a cap of the line. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. This is your captain, baby. Hey, come with me. The doctor is now in. Yeah, baby, here we go. It's awesome with a capital A. It's Wednesday. It's hump day. Dickie V, speed dial three. Nunchuck, baby. Numchuck, you know where we're going with that, don't you? Speed dial three. Hump day. Taking it through the hole. Yeah. <laughs> Non-stop <laughs> funk, baby. You know what that means. BJ Armstrong's going to join us because he loves the non-stop funk. Yes, we all love to funk. To funk or not or not to funk. Yes. TC Martin, VGK Frank, Numchuck. We're all here for you. B.J. Armstrong, the three-time former NBA champ with the Chicago Bulls. He joins us today. Talk a little NBA playoffs, more enticing games tonight. We'll dive into that with him. And our good friend Al Bernstein, he will join us. Showtime Championship Boxing, the International Boxing Hall of Famer, Southern Nevada Hall of Famer. Probably a Chicago Hall of Fame or two in there with uh, our good friend Al Bernstein. Of course, that's where he's originally from. But longtime Las Vegas icon himself. Love talking boxing with Al. And I know Al's going to be on the call of the event that you and Numchuck are so looking forward to. He, he's on an upcoming UFC event or something <laughs> like that? Because I know the event you're talking about, and I am not necessarily looking forward to it. What are you talking about? 50 and 0. The O will never go. Neither O will go. O and 1 also isn't going to go. Yeah. It's going to be 0 and 2 and 51 and 0. <laughs> is it really 51 and 0 no. if he beats him? I don't even think it's sanctioned. I don't think it, it has should to be, be sanctioned. Fi- it shouldn't be 50 and 0. Yeah. How was it? La- how was the McGregor fight sanctioned? Yeah, that was I'm going to break the record and go 50 and 0 by fighting a guy who's never boxed. Right. But he's in the combat sports arena. This guy's not even in the combat sports arena. I don't even know Logan Paul. Owen, I don't know what arena he's in. Well, the one know. down in Florida where they're going to have the fight. That's yeah. the arena he'll be in. Yeah. <laughs> Since we're talking about that, would you like to hear the uh, Showtime press release that I got today? Would you like to hear that? Sure. Uh, I, I, as long as it doesn't say that there's going to be a two-hour concert along <laughs> with the fights. <laughs> Can't guarantee that. However, I don't think that's going to be the case. Might be because this is Showtime and it's not that other, you know, Triller or whatever nonsense you had where the concerts of Justin Bieber and whoever else was involved in those other Paul brother fiascos, Snoop Dogg marijuana fests, those things. No, it's not going to be that bad because they're trying to build this as a boxing card. And I think I mentioned this before, or Mayweather Promotions, who's uh, promoting this. 
they're really trying to make this like, this is no different than Floyd Mayweather and Canelo Alvarez. This is no different than Floyd Mayweather and, you know, uh, Matisse or something like that. Oh, no, it's Floyd Mayweather 50-0 against Logan Paul 0-1. Yeah, that's, that's how they're building it. I think it would be funny if they did watch parties from the local dispensaries. <laughs> oh, bro, I'm low-key faded, bro. So here's a press release. Mayweather Paul. Shh, coming on Showtime, all-star crew to broadcast this mega event. Now, Brian Custer, he's the will be hosting. Who Brian Custer does a, a real a fantastic job with uh, Showtime. He'll be joined by the award-winning comedic duo of, and you're gonna have to help me out on this. I, I I've seen the guys when I've been flipping through the channels or whatever. Uh, Seuss Nice in Kid Marrow. They're, they have a, a, a special on Showtime. The hosts of the Showtime hit late night program, Seuss and Marrow, who will provide their unique and entertaining commentary throughout the event. The regular broadcast team of Mauro Ranello, the award winning and Hall of Famer Al Bernstein, and former world champion boxer Abner Morris. Yes, also joining the robust team will be former. MMA fighter and comedian. Want to take a guess? Since that's your genre, both of those. Rob Van Dam's an MMA fighter and a comedian, but <laughs> this also is a true. wrestler. But, this is true. You know, so. He didn't make the cut. <laughs> I mean, he's an icon for crying out loud. Whatever name they have can't be bigger than his. That name, my friend, is Brendan Schwab. No relation to Stump the Schwab. Okay, yeah. Howie, whatever his name is. You know Brendan Schwab? Uh, is it Schaub? Schaub, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Schaub. Schaub. I think he was a former Marine or something like he's, that. So, yeah, he's uh, a... He's a comedian. Uh, and he, a former he might MMA be. fighter. He, he might I mean... Was his uh, MMA career more Rowdy comedic? Roddy Piper in, in the thing they showed on Biography yeah, got yeah. up and was a comedian. I, I don't think he sold out the any stadiums or anything, but whatever. Was Schaub's uh, MMA career more comedic? No, he it was a okay. legitimate fighter for a while, yeah. Okay. No, he, he, okay. he was a contender. Okay, great. So, here we go. There is no MMA part of this Showtime Championship boxing card. Why are we bringing an MMA slash comedian? Explain that one to me. I understand Showtime wants to cross-promote their shows, their regular series. I get that. They're going to do that. And you want to throw some comedians, which, you're, again, you're making light of the event instead of having you know promoting one of your sports shows. Okay, so you're making a mockery. But why would you involve an MMA slash comedian in this Broadcast. I don't know. Why would you have a broadcast where you give a list of like 12 or whatever it is, expert commentators, and the biggest name and the only real legit one on the whole list is like five down in Al Bernstein? Right, right, right. Because you have the comedians that unless you have showtime, and even if you do, probably most people don't even know who the hell they are. You're not talking like Dave Chappelle or... uh, Key and Peel, or, or I mean, it's yeah. I don't know who these guys are at all. <laughs> I mean, it's okay. There's some guys on Showtime. Yeah. How the hell is Al Bernstein that far down in your list of the great broadcast team? Yeah. It should be Al Bernstein, Hall of Famer, along with some other jabronis. Exactly. So uh, Brendan Schaub, part of the Showtime. I'm probably mispronouncing his name, but who cares? Showtime Sports Digital Series. Sports Digital Series. That means it's not on regular Showtime, right? Okay. Below the belt. He's going to serve as the roving reporter. And the in-ring announcer will be the world-renowned Boxing Hall of Famer, Jimmy Lennon Jr. He gets last billing. 
So he gets last billing. And he's going to be the in-ring guy because Brendan Schaub is going around and doing all the interviews saying, what, what, what's he going to interview the guys about? So, yeah. how do you box? Because I don't know. I know, be, I know MMA stand-up. No, he's a roving reporter. So that means he's going to be roving through the crowd oh, talking to celebrities, right? Okay. What so he's think? going to be looking for the celebs and that kind yeah. of stuff. He's going to be probably like Guillermo on uh, Jimmy Kimmel. Okay. Probably. I'd rather have Guillermo. Hey, here's J-Lo. What's your take on the fight? I don't know. Does my dress look nice? Oh, who are you wearing? I, yeah. What's he going to be doing there? Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I'm curious to see also, because we know that major boxing events and even some of the UFCs, the bigger cards and that, they're kind of places to be seen. What's the celebrity role going to look like for this? Are there going to be real celebs that are taking a day out of their lives to see this? It sounds like it. I, I, I personally know people who are going to fly down. Because it's a place pay, to be seen. It's an event. It's a, it's, it's yes. the three-ring circus, yes. and you want the center ring with the spotlight? Yes. Yeah, the, the, that's why people are going to be there. And we've heard people say, oh, it's going to sell out the Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. It's not going to sell it out. but We yeah, might down yeah. there. Who knows? I mean, it's Mayweather. I get that. But, again, you know going into this, you're not seeing a boxing match. You're going to see Floyd Mayweather – you know, do his pomp and circumstance, take his 10-minute ring walk, dance around the ring. Carry all of his belts, have his yeah. entourage behind him. Bel- does he still have belts? How I- can he still have belts? Do, do you ever I mean, have to relinquish them? Don't people put their belts up in their rooms in that forever, well, they, even if they, they don't have one? Copies of them. I mean, well, and, and, yeah. and so why wouldn't yeah. he bring all those yeah. in? Yeah, because he's, they're not on the line. For this bout, is well, it, I it a but how many times have you seen people bring belts into a fight when the belts aren't on the line? I, I see fighters bringing well, because belts in they, all the time because they're still a reigning champ, but they will be fighting someone basically not for that belt. But uh, you know, uh, yeah, I'll be surprised if Mayweather doesn't have belts with him. I'd say no belts in a stage thing I'm like to, this. I'm, I'm going to take the no on this okay, one because well, there are no belts. Well, let's get Chuck Esposito or somebody yeah. on and find yeah. out if there's a prop up for belts or no belts. A Friday, because I think there will be belts. Let, let bring that up to Chuck Friday when when we're at Sunset. Chuck, Station. I'm going to remember that by Friday. <laughs> we got a producer here. <laughs> oh, that's right. Uh, got no shot. <laughs> well, what sound effect are you going to play for yourself? All right, play one for yourself. I almost numbchucked you. You don't even realize. Wow. That's pretty strong. Wow, he actually had one ready to go. He did. <laughs> he was ready for you to call him out. Well, you need, you need to have quick fingers if you're going to be involved in speed dial three. <laughs> but, but if you're too quick, you're just wasting your money. That's a good point. <laughs> What's that, 270 bucks for a minute and a half? Numbchuck? Here's the best part of the press release. You ready? I haven't gotten to the best part yet. This is the Showtime press release. There's for... more? There's more. <laughs> Inside Mayweather Paul, they're going to do the, you know, the hype up show where you go behind the scenes, right? And they're calling it, you know, like the 24-7s HBO does and Showtime does, you know, their version of it. Okay. Right? So a behind access. the scenes type thing, yeah, all access, access right. type thing where, Except, where we're going to get to see it all. Right. This one's called Inside Mayweather Paul. Takes viewers inside the training camps of both superstars. Okay, let's stop right there. There's one superstar, 50-0, and 0, you know, handpicks his opponents, but still, okay, arguably the greatest of all time. And I say arguably because there's an argument there. He's a superstar. Who's the other superstar? The 0-1 guy's a superstar? He might be an Instagram superstar. <clears throat> might be an Instagram superstar. I don't know. What are you I talking mean, about? Pe- people, no such thing. People use, have you ever watched any of those celebrity TV shows or something like that? Celebrity this, that, or the other? 
How many times do you turn that stuff on and you go, who the hell are these people? They throw these superstars and celebrity names around real loosely, my friend. Are they are part of these superstars? What's the old TV show? Remember, you'd be the superstars. superstars. Yeah, superstars. Superstars. This Where Kyle Rowe Jr. won <laughs> half the time there. The soccer player, nobody knew. Well, soccer players are good athletes. Gee, I don't know. They only run up and down the field for 60 minutes at a time. Yeah, they're probably in pretty good shape. Inside Mayweather Paul takes viewers inside the training camps of both superstars from two different worlds as they prepare for the must-see showdown. Stop me when this becomes BS with you. Okay? Now, the two different worlds, I can buy that. I'm okay. sure they are from two completely different worlds. Okay. <laughs> uh, the must-see showdown? Really? <laughs> Stop it there. Yeah. Must-see? Yeah. Okay. For sports and entertainment fans around the globe. Sports? Get it. <laughs> entertainment? What is Logan Ball? He's a, is he a singer? Is he a artist of some kind, rapper, anything? I have no what idea. What does he do? I don't know. How is he entertainer? Is he a juggler? Call your daughter. Is he? She knows more about him than we do. I have no idea. He, he plays I know on, he does Instagram yeah, stuff. Yeah, he plays on Instagram. He sits and plays with his thumbs. Okay, fine. And he watches his brother steal people's hats. R- yeah. <laughs> okay, so entertainment fans around the globe. Around the globe? Is this an international scene? Are, are people in South Korea, are they into this? I guess people we'll find Australia? out after we'll the pay-per-view it. numbers come in. I don't, maybe he's big down under. The Showtime cameras embed with the 44-year-old Mayweather, a 2020 International Boxing Hall of Fame inductee in Las Vegas as he readies himself for the exhibition bout. Key word here, exhibition, folks. It's not a sanctioned bout. It's an exhibition. So guess what? There is no, there's our answer. It's not 51 and 0. It's an okay. exhibition. Well, that's good to know. Because and I'm glad about that at least. There we go. So we got But it still answer. doesn't mean that he can't bring belts. The cameras <laughs> also follow the hugely popular Paul who stands 6 inches taller than Mayweather. Oh, got a reach advantage to them probably. And owns an 18-year age advantage. What about Are the you reach? Serious? What's the reach? No, we, He's going to use that jab. Yeah. He's going to box and weave and, you know. Wait a minute. How can a guy who's had one boxing match, and we use that term very loosely, right, have an 18-year age advantage when you're not even in the same sport? What's Because what's he's 18 years younger? Well, that would be an 18-year advantage. He's 18 years this, younger, But yeah. it's not an advantage if you're not a boxer. You know what I'm saying? You're just, exactly. If you have the same skill as your opponent, then we could say, well, it'd be... Okay, a, yeah. what but, would you like them to say? And Paul, who's 18 years younger and has absolutely zero shot in this fight, you don't and makes a whole age. farce of the whole you thing... You don't mention the age. You do if you're promoting it because you make it sound like he's got a chance. What do you think this all-access behind the scenes is going to do? They're going to make people think, and it's like, well, you know, maybe he's bigger, he's younger, he's stronger, he's hungrier... Maybe I do need to see this. That's what promotion, that's what press releases are supposed to do. They're not going to say, and Paul, even though he's 18 years younger, is going to get his butt kicked here because it's a farce and a I'm joke and a sham. You don't put the age factor because it's irrelevant because pick some guy off the street who is 25 years old doesn't mean that he has an advantage over this greatest boxer of all time just because he's younger. But it's the fight insane. game does that all the time with guys. When this they guy's say, not a fighter, though. But they're they're Don't promoting get, him. Why are you yelling? Why are you getting mad at me for? Because you're yelling first and I'm yelling back. 
They're promoting the fight. That's not They're the way to promote to it. They're trying to make... Well, the, well, then you go promote, tell them how to promote pro- it. I should tell them how to promote it. Just You better go back to the concert venue. You better go to the concert arena because that's not an advantage. Okay, it's not an advantage, okay? The, the, the so, height, so what height and reach. Does he have? Okay. Height and reach are advantages, okay? The, the age with boxer versus non-boxer, I'm just saying it's not an advantage. Height and reach, I'll go with you. Yeah, exactly, because you're, you're throwing punches. Okay, whatever. Uh, where, where'd I go here? Uh, what's the date of this nonsense anyway? Oh, we're going to go into the rigorous training camp in Puerto Rico. He's training. Is he with Felix Tito Trinidad? Is he training with him? No, we're still talking Paul here, right? So, yeah, 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 I, yeah. I, I don't know who he's with. He attempts to shock the world on June 6th. Inside Mayweather Paul also captures the moment, here you go, when Mayweather and the Paul brothers met face-to-face for the first time and exchanged verbal jabs in Miami on May the 6th during the kickoff press conference. And as you know, the highlight of that press conference was... That. There you go. There's your press release. That's going to make me go out and spend, what, 70 bucks or whatever this is on pay-per-view? Wait, you're getting a pay-per-view? You didn't get a credential? You're not flying down? No, 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 no. I only go to real events. <laughs> Well, that, that whole press release, and it doesn't say nothing about the undercard? I'm assuming there's an undercard. There's other fights here, right? Not in this press release today. Now, that was in the uh, That was in the other release. one? The one that says, hey, come and watch the workouts of Badu Jack. Badu Jack, is he related to Billy Jack? I, I like that movie long ago, but... No, man, that Badu Jack is... No, I know who Badu champ. Jack yeah. actually is. Yeah. So. And that's what they're doing here, okay? Now, kudos Now, is that. that a sanctioned fight? Yeah. Because Badu Jack's is a, a, they're a having, legitimate fighter. They're having, they're having legitimate So they're having real fights, fights along with a smattering of non-real fights to lead up to the no. exhibition non-real right. fight. Correct. Chad Oslo-Sinkle's not a real fight. Correct. That's an exhibition. Right. right. Exactly. So that's what I'm saying. They're yeah. having exhibition here, real fight there, exhibition yeah. here. Yeah. And then the main event, can't miss, got to see the all-access behind the scenes of the exhibition. Yeah. Judges, uh, Florida Athletic Commission, you can go home now. We don't need you because this isn't sanctioned. Oh, let's uh, get, uh, you know, whatever, Pauly Shore and a couple other ham and eggers, Adam Sandler, somebody else, Larry David. You guys can be the judges. Too bad they didn't do this back in the 70s or something. They could have been at an exhibition stadium. Right. <laughs> I have to treat this like a, a regular Showtime championship boxing card, even though it's not a championship card. Yeah, I wouldn't call it a championship boxing yeah. card. I would call it a Showtime extravaganza. Yeah, that's what it is. The show t- circus comes to Showtime. How's that? Showtime meets Barnum and Bailey. Yeah, the big top is reopened. Uh, <laughs> wow, three rings down to one ring. Can't miss much action. Legitimate fights and exhibitions. You make the call on what's what. <laughs> Here, why don't you why don't you contact Showtime and write the promo for him? That's great. I don't, it's all totally impromptu here. Uh, all right. <laughs> so, are you watching it? If, if I'm paying for it, no. No. I, I have principles. What's the date? I'm probably doing something June on that 6th. Date. You said it's June 6th. Don't I have an Aces game that day? No, I, I actually I think Like, I know the, the Aces I schedule. I oh, yeah, look at the schedule. On the, oh, wait, there's nothing on the wall. <laughs> I, I don't know. No, I'm not going to. I don't know. Let's see. Who do we know that's going to buy that fight? Maybe I'd crash a party. I'm not paying for it. You're not paying for it. I know that's for darn sure. No, I'm not paying for Numchuk it. Always I mean, I might go someplace with some Numchuk friends if they always, watch it or Numchuk something. Numchuk is so into this garbage and this nonsense. How about you, Numchuk? 
He's going to watch it. He's going to say no now, but he's going to watch it. And I have friends. I guarantee one person we know will be watching it, although he, he's yeah. going to talk against it and can't stand it. Yeah. And that's our friend Armando. Oh, Armando yeah. will be watching it. He will. He will yeah, watch. He'll it. be watching. Okay, then I'm crashing his party. We're going to crash his party. Just tell Armando's listening. We know he always listens. If, if it's not live on the podcast, Armando, be prepared. You get an invite, and uh, we'll have him on the show on the following Monday, so we can talk about the this. recap. The recap with Armando. There you go. And Heidi Fang, how's that? The not cornhole champion any longer. Yeah, I don't know if I don't know if Heidi will be watching or not. It depends. Of course, on, she's going to be watching. She's going to be covering it. Well, she may or she may not. It. I mean, there there yeah. could be a UFC event. There could be another legitimate fight that day or something. Yeah. There, there could be there a is. VGK game. There, there could is. be. A, I know, mean, there's going to be other things going on that day. That was the weekend, uh, full disclosure, that I was looking to go to Houston because the Astros are playing the Yankees, I believe, that I mean, weekend. there'll definitely be some, yeah. some NHL hockey playoff games and NBA playoff games. Oh, yeah. Big time. You know, there'll be actual legitimate non-exhibition sports going on. So we need to go to a place that has, you know, the... That has a variety of TVs yeah. in it, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then you just hope that you know that they don't charge a cover and they don't put every TV on it, right? Because that's when you go, "Come on, man! Yeah. Can I see something real here?" Yeah, like uh, one of your favorite establishments that shows the fights. They had every screen on the Canelo, uh, BJ Saunders fight, which deservedly so. Again, yeah, th- that, that was, I can see. Yeah, because people pay this. for it and they pay the cover in that. Right. But a lot of places will put a couple screens on if you ask them to put it on something else. Like I've noticed in this town, and and it's one thing that it, it makes me realize what a different world we live in today. When I see every TV on the Vegas Golden Knights games, when you literally in the past couldn't get places to put a hockey game on if you wanted to. I, I've literally walked into bars in this town ten years ago and said, "Hey, can you put the Blackhawk game on? I'll, I'll show you anything but hockey." They would show spike ball or pickleball or cornhole or something before they would show hockey. And it's like, what? Now you can't go in a place where they're not only not showing the game everywhere, but everybody's wearing the shirts and doing the stuff and pretending like they know the rules. And that it bothers you <laughs> equally as, as much as before, right? It, it, it kind of <laughs> does because they're posers. And they say they're hockey fans, and then if the Golden yeah. Knights get eliminated, then they don't care anymore. Yeah. And that's fine if you're a VGK fan, but don't tell me you're a hockey fan, but you don't watch any other other games and you yeah. care. You know, speaking on that, I had a conversation earlier with someone about this thing, about talking about going to the games. And, and, I, and I said, I brought this up. I go, I find it really kind of a little bit strange where this was not a hockey town. And people could care less about hockey and just everything that you said before. You can't find them on a screen. And now they go, and now it's like it's a big hockey town. But the people that go, sure, they get 18,000 screaming fans. I get that. I love that. But how hardcore hockey fans are there? They're really not. I mean, they're going you know, to join the party. I get that. that, that that's cool. Case in point, so I bring it back to the game the other night when I sat down low and there were these people sitting directly behind me and just hearing the conversation you know behind me in one of the most well probably the most important game of the season up until this point in time right they didn't understand what was going on no. and they were talking about other things and the moment that Minnesota uh was even before the empty net goal there was like 4 minutes to go they were gone they said, beat traffic. Let's get it. It's three to two. Right. And there's like 345 to go. Now nah, we're out of here. We're done. And just, you could tell by their cheering and this and that and the commentary, because 
fans say a lot of stupid things. Oh, yeah. You know, at players, at, at officials. It's like, okay, well, really? Any, for instance, any time a Golden Knight player yeah. falls on the ice, yeah. whether he was tripped or whether he just lost an edge or something like that, yeah. They're screaming, ref, you suck, if that arm doesn't call right. up and make a penalty right. call. Every time somebody falls down yeah. doesn't mean yeah. there was a penalty. So there's that, that fraction of people are there. And unfortunately, it's the people that are sitting closest to the ice. They're sitting in the most expensive seats. I can see that. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. kind of like the it, – it's not Gucci roll like they used to have at UNLV, but it's like you say, it's the more affluent people. It's the ones with money in there. Right. And the ones that probably – don't and, and again, exactly. the ones that once the Golden Knights are eliminated, they're not going to watch to see does Tampa Bay repeat again. Mm-hmm. You know, can Boston go on to the thing? Does Winnipeg yeah. come out of Canada and make yeah. a you know make Double B happy or something? Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's mm-hmm. there's other. I watch as many games as I can. Last night I was getting carpal tunnel going back between hockey and then the Lakers game and even the you know the the Mavericks Slippers yeah. game and that I was trying to watch a little bit of everything, but. But yeah, a lot of people, and that's and again, if you're just a Vegas Golden Knights fan, I'm cool with that. Yeah, that's but cool. don't you're tell supporting. me you're a hockey fan. Yeah, yeah, you're you're cool. You're supporting it. You're putting you know money into the into the franchise. Okay, I I get that. I'm not you know trying to to rip that. It's just again, this yeah. is what you get. Yeah, in. just be true and say what yeah. you are. It's like people that there say yes. I'm an MMA fan, but they couldn't tell you one fighter outside of the right. UFC. Right. Finally, you love the UFC, but UFC isn't MMA. UFC is a sanction. One of the bodies right. of mixed martial arts. All right. VGK tonight, game number six. We will uh, touch on that in a little bit as well. Try to predict. Good luck on that on what's going to happen tonight in St. Paul. The Wild and the Knights. The Knights going for the closeout again for the second time in the series. This time on the road where they've had a lot of success in the past. Still haven't closed out a series on the home ice. But tonight they will try to win and avoid a game seven which would take place back here at T-Mobile Arena. All right, so Al Bernstein's going to join us a little bit later on. We come back, we talk NBA playoffs and also college basketball transfer portal. Gina Oriema, the coach of the UConn women's team, had some uh, pretty interesting comments. We're going to talk about that as well with our next guest, the three-time champ, B.J. Armstrong. This is five-time NBA champion Bill Cartwright. When I'm in town, I always listen to T.C. Martin. You should too. All right, we are knee-deep into the NBA playoffs. You like where I went with that, huh? A little knee-deep with that? Yeah, got it. All right. One nation under the NBA playoffs with our guy, the three-time NBA champ, former Chicago Bull, B.J. Armstrong. What's up, my man? (laughs) Hey, what's going on? How's my man doing? You doing all right? We're doing good, man. We're just uh, rolling. Excellent. Excellent, excellent, excellent. All right, man, BJ. A couple things I want to touch on you. Uh, real quick, uh, NBA playoffs. Uh, we saw the Lakers and Suns. The Lakers responded. We hear everybody saying, oh, I guess the Lakers are back. Anthony Davis. Well, of course they're back. LeBron James. Series tied at one. Uh, be the prognosticator here. Uh, tell us, first of all, what you've seen in these first two games and what's going to happen with this series. Well, the, you know, the first thing I see is definitely the health of Chris Paul. That's a huge that's a huge question mark for the Phoenix Suns and their franchise and what they're trying to do. I thought in game one, they really did a great job. Um, but Chris Paul, his ability to control the tempo, his ability to control the game, the flow of the game is going to be very important to them. But give the Lakers credit. And the Lakers made adjustments, in particular Anthony Davis, uh, Bron James. You know, you know, it's interesting to see Marcus Gasol come out 
and play and and do what they have to do there. So, um, but give give the Lakers credit. They caught, they came back. They did what they had to do. They got a game there, and now they're going to move on to Game Three back here in LA with an opportunity to um, you know defend home court and then go from there. You know, Chris Paul. You mentioned the injury. Every year at this time, it seems like this guy is injured. And it's happening again where he's sitting out key playoff games. What is it with this guy? And we've talked about this before. Like, wow, you know, uh, you know, ownership should really be concerned about signing this guy because when the games mean the most, he is not available. Yeah, I mean, you know what? He's had some really freak accidents, and uh, certainly there was nothing uh, that he could have done with that. You know, it's not a lack of preparation or what have you. It's just a freak accident. You know, when you play, injuries are going to happen. And uh, he's just had the misfortune of having, you know, bad timing on the injuries that he's sustained at the most critical moment. So, but, you know, he's a warrior. And, um, you know, he's one of the best players in the league. He's certainly one of the best, um, you know, to do it. And uh, hopefully for the Phoenix Suns that he will at least be able to be health, as healthy as he, as he could as he needs to be for this time of the year because they're, they're going to desperately need him. All right, so the other team in L.A., we talk about the Lakers being inconsistent. The Clippers, they're down 2 nothing here against Dallas. Is this all about uh, Donich just you know taking control and just being the best player on the court, or is this about the Clippers just really being a mess right now? I mean, again, they're down, they lost their first two games on their home floor. Now, think about this, B.J., there were no fans in L.A., None. Now you're going to Texas, where you've got a, an arena full of crazy fans here. As opposed to cardboard cutouts. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so talk a little bit about this series. Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I really felt that the Clippers had kind of um, kind of turned things around this year, especially with the addition of uh, Rajon Rondo. I thought he was a, a huge plus for them. And to watch what has transpired here in the first two games is very disappointing. And they can't control Luka Doncic. And when, you know, the, you know, the formula for the NBA has been since the beginning. You know, great players have to be great, and role players have to play their role great. And right now, Luka Doncic is—he's beyond great. I mean, he's sensational. He's been phenomenal in these first two games. He's literally carried this team. He's generated offense for them, and uh, he's been a problem for the for the Clippers. So, I think the Clippers got to really go back to the drawing board and figure out how can they contain him because he's been just running rampant. He's been running loose in his first two games. And when you have a great player like that, especially an offensive talent like his, it's going to be a problem. And uh, certainly he showed what he's capable of doing and, and when the lights are brightest because uh, he shows up in big moments. You mentioned Doncic and how good he is. Um, does he get enough credit and media coverage in that? Does he get what he deserves out there? And how far can this team go? Is there enough of a supporting cast that if they get by the Clippers that they could continue to go and maybe get even deeper in the playoffs? Well, you know, with Luka Doncic, you know, look, we, we've Luka Doncic has been a – he was an MVP candidate at the beginning of the season. And certainly everyone understands how – complete of an offensive player he is. However, you know, when you look at him, you start placing those expectations on what you can do and how you can build a team around him. So I think from that standpoint, individually, he gets all the recognition. But now you're talking about the expectations of saying, with that, can you actually deliver and win and win on the biggest stage? And so far, you know, when you look at this in in the first round, instead of saying we expected him to go 2-0, you know, now it's He's playing with house money. 
So, you know, it com- with, the, with that talent comes expectations. And right now, you know, um, he's still a young player. He's finding his way. And I'm not ready to say we're expecting him to get to the very least conference finals because his talent is without question he's a top five talent in the NBA. All right. Uh, the former point guard and three-time NBA champ, also broadcaster and executive B.J. Armstrong joins us. B.J., I want to change gears a little bit. There is a, a story earlier today from uh, Gina Oriema made some comments uh, the UConn women's coach about the NCAA transfer portal, and this really uh, relates to both the uh, the men's game and the women's game as well. Too, I want to read you a couple quotes. And again, I know you're a college basketball guy, a star at Iowa, and you still follow college basketball as well. I want to get your take on this. Uh, this transfer portal, as he says, has been a mess for a long time. He goes, "It's going to." He goes, "We knew it was going to be a mess from the beginning. It's a mess now." And it's going to be even a bigger mess each and every year. A lot of these kids are delusional. You know, they have so many voices in their ear. There's something wrong with the recruiting system. There's something wrong with the culture of college basketball today. There's something wrong with the entitlement that happens to exist today. And, you know, he's talking about this because there are approximately a thousand kids in the transfer portal right now. And we deal with this a lot here at UNLV where three quarters of their team just, you know, has has left. Uh, thoughts on the current college basketball system with this transfer portal? Well, to me, it, it seems incredibly simple, is how we're going to define amateur athletics in this country. That's what it all comes down to. And, you know, it, it, it is once we define amateur athletics and what that means, and then we can move forward and, and, and all move to something that works for everyone involved. Right now, there are, you know, you know that does that rule apply to college coaches? Does that apply to college administrators? You know, you see college administrators and people move all the time. So that's that's human nature. Now it's easy to identify the problem, but now let's let's offer a solution that works that we can continue to move forward because clearly something is going on that doesn't work for all parties involved, and. Right now, if we want to get down to the crux of the issue, well, let's, let's define amateur athletics. And once we define that, then we can, you know, make the appropriate rules and regulations and things that apply in, the, in governing bodies and all those things that will work for all of the parties involved, right? Whether it's the players, the administrators, coaches, and everyone, you know? So I, I think right now we can see um, a system that's perhaps a little outdated in today's world and in today's times and and what we've come to understand. And when you look around, we have to adjust. So here's an opportunity for us, the adults, to sit down along with the the young people and the students and the athletes that are participating in sports, especially at that level. And, you know, it's a capable of just having a conversation and let's get it done other than, well, look at these people blaming those people. You know, I'm, I'm a little bit past that stage in my life. Let's figure it out and uh, sit down and, and then, you know, do something that works for all, all involved, right? We all understand the issues. We all understand the problems. Everyone has problems on their desk. And uh, let's figure out and get people in there that can actually solve them instead of just pointing fingers at other people. You know, to your point that you just brought up, Oriema actually addressed that in saying that it is somewhat hypocritical. Here's the quote here. Uh, and there's something wrong with the idea of, you know, a student 
athlete's welfare, that everything should be done to accommodate the student-athlete with no regard whatsoever to the coaches who work their ass off to recruit these kids in the first place, to work with them, Mm -hmm. to help them get better, make them the player that they are. And then they up and leave with no consequences (laughs) whatsoever. Absolutely. And he goes on to say, if we as coaches just call a kid in and say, hey, look, you know, I thought you would be a lot better than this. So I'm taking away your scholarship. He goes, we would get crucified. But yet a kid can just up and leave for no reason whatsoever. Other than I just don't want to be here anymore. I don't like it here anymore. Okay, so yeah, there's a time when it's absolutely positively appropriate for a kid to have to make a change. He goes, believe me, I've been on both sides of where kids have left here and where kids have come in. So uh, exactly. Yeah, seems- you know, I, I mean, look, here's what's most disappointing as – you know, like I, I was one of those kids that was recruited, and now I, I get a chance to see and, and hear. But one of the most valuable things that I, I learned in my adult life was how to properly evaluate and take responsibility and accountability to the people that that I recruit and I identify. And so, you know, that statement is, well, you're not as good as I thought. Well, <laughs> maybe, just maybe, you don't have the proper eye to evaluate talent. <laughs> That's a, that's a real possibility. Just maybe you're not as good as a coach as you think you are. Just maybe. It's not always a player. So, you know, I was very fortunate that I had a coach who gave me this idea, and I've continued his idea in my adult life, which is he said, BJ, when you come to me, it is my job to make sure that you have a – uh, that you pass my class with a master's degree. No one fails my class. And he took stewardship of making sure and finding a way that was going to work for me because he said no one's going to fail my class. You're not going to come here and all of a sudden I'm going to say you can't play. i got to find a way. We have to find a way. So when he said that to me, that was very empowering for a young kid that was like 18 years of age to know that, okay, maybe my best system doesn't work in screen roll, but maybe I can catch and shoot. How about that? But these coaches are married to their system, and then when the player can't conform to their system, then the player is bad. Well, that's not always the case, you know? So when you look at professional sports, that's why you have trades, okay? That's why you draft players. That's why you are able to cut players, and you have free agency. So it's not always on the player. It's not always on the coach. But everyone has to take responsibility in the stewardship, especially the adults in this, right? So if I'm recruiting a kid, it is my responsibility to make sure that that kid passes my class, that I figure out a way to make that kid a productive player, and that we figure this out. It's, it's too easy to say that kid can't play. No, no, I'm not buying that one. Because you know what? I've, I've been in professional sports for over 30 years. Yeah, okay, maybe some kids aren't as, you know, maybe they, their talent isn't as, you know, as they, as they were touted. Okay, that's possible. Maybe they were a top-five player, and maybe they weren't a top-five player, but that's okay. But it's my job as a coach to find out what they can do, and vice versa. And, you know, every coach isn't like a Hall of Fame coach either. So, you know, you got to take everything into consideration. Everything is, you know, you need the right time, the right environment, timing, so forth and so on. But that's just too easy to always blame it on the player. No, you can't do that. 
Well, isn't there sometimes just a situation, too, where maybe the player is the player that the coach thought he was, but then the coach gets maybe surprised that somebody else that's even better joins that team that's at that position, and the kid who thought he was going to be starting or thought he fit in with this program, maybe it's just a not, not a good fit because as good as he may be, there's somebody else on the team that is better or fits that system better or something like that. Well, that sounds great, and we can talk about individuals, but when you are putting together a team, key word, team, right, we all know and we can all look at the the end result of what we're trying to do here, right? What's the goal? What's the one common the what's the one common denominator that we all have? Are we winning a game, right? So when you go play and you go play at a high level, it's understood. There's an understanding that there's one ball. You know, I I played with a guy named Michael Jordan. Okay, I, I averaged twenty some points in college, and suddenly. I didn't have to, you know, take calculus to figure out that I probably wasn't going to be shooting as much as I did at the collegiate level. There's only one ball okay. there. That's it. <laughs> okay. And then after that ball was shot up, there was another guy on my team. His name was Scotty Pippen. I didn't have to – it didn't take me rocket science to figure out that I probably wasn't going to be shooting more than him. Okay. So, again, I, I get it. Who's better and all of these. That's great. We're putting together a team. That's the idea. We're putting together a team, and in the end, if we're not winning the game, we all collectively have to understand what is it we need to do to win the game. That's the bottom line in sports. And if you're there to average points, if you're there to average your certain amount of rebounds with no regard to the end result, then you probably shouldn't be in this type of environment, which is we're here to win games. So I get it, and every coach is different, every team is different, but when you're recruiting players – you have an opportunity to recruit people that understand what we're here to do. And one of those things is we're here to win games. Now, who wants to win a game, regardless of how good individually you may or may not be? Great stuff. B.J. Armstrong, uh, the former champ and uh, now player agent. We'll let you go, my man, because I know you're busy, but appreciate you spending some time here talking a little college basketball, a little NBA playoffs as well, and uh, we'll get you back on next week, and uh, we can Damn. dive into this a little bit more. Appreciate you guys. You guys be good. Stay safe, and uh, thanks for having me on. You got it. All right, B.J. Armstrong, our guy, getting a little knee-deep in the playoffs right here. And uh, tonight, uh, another big game, Utah and Memphis, and we saw – what happened in game number one? Memphis uh, been in playoff mode for pl- two and a half weeks here, and they took it to Golden State to get in that number eight spot. And what do they do? They go into Utah, and they upset the Jazz as nine-point underdogs. And guess what? They're nine-and-a-half-point underdog tonight, game number two. See if they can pull it off and do what Dallas is doing to the Clippers. have a feeling, and I don't want to belittle what Memphis has done, but I have a feeling that maybe Utah took them a little bit lightly. I think every player available is going to be in there for the Jazz tonight, you know, instead of sitting guys that are maybe stars yeah. in it because it's like, well, Memphis, I mean, and that shouldn't even be here. We should have been yeah. playing Steph Curry and the Warriors. Yeah, that's true. And uh, we know that uh, the Jazz's best player did not play. Very and, and, upset and he about said it. he was ready, and he was warming up that day, and he was on the court, and it's like, yeah. no, 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 we don't need you tonight. Eh, take a seat, have a rest. 
we can beat these guys. Oh, wait, maybe we can't. Yeah. You know, it, it's curious, too, because I want to get uh, next time we have BJ on because I know he had to go and do some stuff. But I'm also curious, to, we're talking about players transferring this, that, and the other. Also curious to see what his thoughts are with all these guys now going to the G League right out of high school and right. getting paid instead of going to college. And I know people talk about that college experience and this, that, and the other, but um, you know, just basically foregoing their college years and saying, "Yeah, I'm. I may not be on an NBA team, but I want to get paid immediately." Right. And the thing about it is that the other part of this is, you know, I think it's a great option for a kid to have the transfer portal, and that that's it. I mean, because. Things don't always work out at a college, okay? But it seems now these kids, and it's just our society in general. It's a product of our, of our society where people want constant change. Something doesn't work out. And as Gina Oriema used the term entitlement, that does factor into this as well. There's a lot of entitlement, especially if you're a top-tier person. And again, he's speaking from experience at the top women's college basketball program and has been for decades at UConn. Yeah, they've been dominant. Yes. And he gets the cream of the crop. So, again, you know, sometimes you're going to get players that they could have starred somewhere else, and they're going to be maybe your eighth or ninth players, tenth players. I'm sure he has to deal with that all the time. He's like, kind of got the John Wooden effect way back when bingo. John Wooden was at UCLA right. when he when right. his second team might have been the second yeah. best team in the in, in the country. You know, so – you know, with this transfer portal, with everyone, and we see it every time there's a coaching change in college basketball, and we see it up close and personal here at UNLV. When Kevin Kruger took over, it was like, okay, this guy's gone, 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 gone. Literally, 70% of your roster has said, you know what, you didn't recruit me initially. Whether you feel like, okay, I'm tied to T.J. Altsberger, I mean, a couple guys maybe, but for the most part, no. They just want the change, and that is their right. There's nothing wrong with that, but you're just seeing so much of it now, and it does have a domino effect. Everything in society, especially with kids that that are teenagers or young adults, it's like, hey, uh, this guy's jumping, I'm going to jump, and that sort of thing. I think the transfer portal is great, and it's a great thing for for the kid who basically knows where he wants to go. And he, say for example, he committed to this school. There's a coaching change. Now there's another school that recruited him just as heavily. And now personnel have changed at this school. And I'm a fit. And I really bond with that coach. Or maybe you've had a connection with this coach and now he goes to this other school. Okay, I know where I'm going. That's fine. But it seems like so many kids just jump in the transfer portal with no idea where they're going. And it's they're yeah, it's kind of like beam me up, Scotty, or something like that. Right. Like just send me here right. or there or whatever. But I think and and, and another yeah. thing too, and I don't want to interrupt you, but another thing too, I think is these kids have so many other people in their ear, That's whether it's he, family Gino or said. coaches yes. or this. Yes. Everybody, yes. some you're not getting your proper respect. Yes. You could go here and be a star. You could go there. You should get more minutes. You should because everybody talks about the minutes, and you know it used to be you joined a team, you had to earn your minutes. Now, if you're not under your minutes, you just go someplace else where you think you're going to get them. Right. That's it. Exactly. And, that's, again, so I think, I think it's a, a great option, but college coaches are really frustrated about it because they have to work extra hard just to keep that guy there. And, again, that's the point. If, if you are not that A1 guy, that superstar player, and you know where you're going to go, if you just want to go out there and test the waters – it doesn't always work out better for you. That's the thing. Sometimes you don't end up 
at the right place. Or you end up at a place where you thought you were going to be a star and you find out, well, maybe it's better off that I stay there. So I guess the moral of the story that you'd like to get to these kids is like, okay, are you sure you want to do this? And you know, Oriam has said this. Are you, you know, like, what's the problem? What, why aren't you happy here? Think long and hard before you leave this program, especially UConn program. You know, and I know I'm sure he's probably saying, do you want to have, be known as a national champion or maybe, and maybe only play maybe 15, 18 minutes a game? Sure, you could go someplace else, but you're not even going to sniff the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and, so, and if you do, you're just going to be like one of the – courtesy early exits or something and again but but it's that grass is always greener scenario on the other side of the fence type thing and and sometimes it does work out we Mm -hmm. should point that out too that for for the aces you cover them the the, their draft pick that we had on this year she went to three different colleges right for her it did work out going different places and finding fits and that kind of stuff but i would say that somebody who transfers that much is more the exception and not the rule correct yeah, so interesting uh, story topic there. Appreciate B.J. Armstrong for joining us. All right, um, we'll talk a little bit more NBA playoffs. Donovan Mitchell, yep, I got a feeling he is going to play tonight. Kind of leaning towards uh, giving up nine, nine and a half tonight because I agree with you, Frank. I think it's it's payback time for the Jazz. And, uh, you know, Memphis you know, gets back to the Memphis that we've seen, you know, two, three, four weeks ago. And the Jazz, they are the number one seed for a reason, but they did not play like the number one seed. And they they jumped out to an 11-point lead in that game, and then they fell behind by 12, 13 points. They rallied, lost by three, but it was one of those things like, okay, a little shell-shocked. We don't have our best player you know, playing. And then Memphis shot the lights out, and then like, okay, yeah, we rallied back. We got this. So, yeah, what's going to happen tonight in game two? That'll be interesting. Well, yeah, and like you said, the first game was a little bit of a uh, roller coaster a little yeah. bit, so we'll see if tonight is. Have the feeling that if the Jazz get out to a lead tonight that they're going to keep the intensity up a little I bit. I agree, especially in, in that building, Salt Lake. They've Those fans are crazy. And they're, if they don't, they deserve to lose. There you go. That's right. As Robbie said in uh, one of my all-time favorite movies, uh, you deserve to lose. Digstown! I love Digstown! Yeah. Never, never saw it. Yeah, Bruce Stern, his kid. You deserve to lose, he told his daddy. After what's his name defeated ten opponents in one night. Ten opponents in one night. Yeah, ten opponents in a twenty-four hour period. Was yeah, it Lou battle, Gossett Jr. Was it a battle royal? Yeah, no, it wasn't. <laughs> Lou Gossett Jr. It was great. K one used to get a bad rep for making people fight three times yeah. in one night. Yeah, oh, only in Hollywood. That's true. <laughs> VGK Minnesota Wild. We'll talk about that when we come back. Al Bernstein joins us as well. TC Martin Show on a Wild Wednesday.